Welcome to True Grit and Grace, a podcast designed to empower you to claim your resilience and thrive through life's challenges. I am Amberly Lago, a mindset coach, fitness expert, and best-selling author. Each week, I'll dive deep with the world's brightest thought leaders and elite performers to share tangible tools and practical advice to inspire you to keep your eyes on the prize and forge ahead. So get ready to conquer your fears, heal any trauma, lead with your heart, and elevate your life with grit and grace. Hey, y'all. Thank you for being here. You probably are just like me and most everybody else in the world and safe at home. Here in California, along with most businesses that are closed, even our hiking trails and our beaches are closed because of this global pandemic we're going through right now. But you know what? Your hopes and your dreams are never canceled. Right before this whole pandemic broke out, I was actually in Fort Worth, Texas and got to visit Trent Shelton. If you don't know who he is, then I'm so happy that you're here because I want you to meet him. He's one of the most authentic, heart-centered, faith-filled, inspirational, and one of the kindest people I've ever met. Y'all, he's the real deal, and he's got a heart of gold. He has such an incredibly eventful life, even in this pandemic, and I was so grateful that he took the time to sit with me and so he could show up for all of us. And boy, could we use some of his words of hope and encouragement right now more than ever. Trent's a former NFL wide receiver who is now considered one of the most significant speakers of all time. He reaches more than 50 million people weekly through his various social media outlets and shares how to create lasting change in our lives. He's the founder and president of Rehab Time, and he's the bestseller of the book, The Greatest You, which I have on Audible as well. It's so good to listen to that and get a little pick-me-up during a workout. So if you're listening on your phone, please take a screenshot. And if you share it in your story on Instagram, tag me at Amberly Lago Motivation, hashtag True Grit and Grace, and I will share it in my story. So thanks for being here. Introducing Trent Shelton, giving it to us straight up. Hi, and welcome back to True Grit and Grace. Today, I have a legend on the show. I can't wait to share his story, his wisdom, and introduce you to him. Trent Shelton, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to see you. Happy to see you too. Thanks for having me on your show. And here in Texas, actually in my office kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it's great to see you. Yeah. Well, I knew I was coming to Texas and I thought, you know, I'm going to see if Trent is actually going to be in his hometown or your home because you travel all over the world speaking to millions of people. So I appreciate you taking the time just to be here and talk to us. I have enjoyed getting to know you more and more. I met you last year at an event that we did together. We were speaking at a conference and I heard you speak and I was so touched by everything you shared but i have to say even more than that what you said i was watching you yeah <laughs> and i just noticed how you were with everyone there whether it was backstage or it was people that were calling you you know in your breakout session or walking down the hall talking to people you can tell you genuinely care about people and want to help them and you are just a magnet because people feel your authenticity and the love that you share and you are one of the top motivational speakers in the world you travel around but that wasn't always your dream growing up you had something totally different in mind can you tell us how you got to be where you are now yeah for sure oh, yeah and thank you for the compliment just about you know being just real with people i think i see that in yourself too and i think we need more of that just from people in this space and just in general when people always say it's like oh you talk to me you're a human like i'm not supposed to like it's normal <laughs> to me you know it's like okay to get in my story a bit 
yeah uh motivational speaking i mean to even hear you say that it always is like surreal for me i'm like man i am a motivational speaker because by nature just i'm an introverted person i've always been that way my mom my dad could tell you i mean i'm the youngest out of three boys and they would tell you that if they had to you know guess when we're a little who would be the speaker it definitely wouldn't be me i would be the last choice so my dream was to play sports play basketball baseball i mean pretty much every sport growing up and I had two older brothers. So it was kind of me, like they were my heroes. Like I want to do what they do. And mm-hmm. so I was at their games as a little kid. I owe it all to them because they made me better. I mean, they used to pick on me in a positive way, but they made me better. And I just made up my mind since I was four years old that I wanted to be a professional athlete and it ended up happening. Yeah, you played with Peyton Manning. Yeah, you played I, got, with... I played a year with Peyton, yep. Yeah, I mean, you did some amazing things. But when I started to look more into your story, and I love your book, thank you. I saw from a very young age, you know, this shows all about resilience and turning tragedy into triumph and learning those tips and tools on how to be successful. And from a young age, you were given the gift of perspective because you actually almost died. Yeah, I did. I was maybe six, I don't know, my mom says I was older. So from six to 10, somewhere around that age, I had asthma growing up like really, really bad. I mean, to the point where like, if I didn't have my inhaler, I would panic. I remember, you know, my brother's checking on me at night. I mean, throughout my whole childhood, you know, it was really bad. Breathing treatments every single night. And we lived- And that's scary. Because I had asthma as a kid. And there is, when you all of a sudden you can't get air in your lungs, you feel like you're dying, but you actually almost did. Yeah. I mean, in New Orleans where it's humid too. Mm-hmm. So it didn't make it easier me playing sports, but it was a particular time where I was coughing really, really bad. And I don't know the correct term for it now. I'm mm-hmm. sure they have a cool term for it, but the doctor called it coughing asthma because uh, I was just coughing so bad that literally like the white around my eyes, right? Turned red. Yeah. Like my blood vessels popped. I was getting teased at school, called a demon. Like, it was just bad. People, when they look at me, like, what's wrong with that kid? You know, I just oh. look really sick. And my mom, her best friend, her name was Sister Stuman. She's passed away, but she saw me. She's like, you need to take that boy to the hospital now. Like, do not wait. And that day, uh, we went home, got all the whole family. We went to the hospital. So I lived in Kenner. New Orleans downtown is probably like 20 minutes away. So on the way there, I was coughing so bad we had to pull over. And I was mm-hmm. throwing up. And wow. basically, what I know now, I was, I was dying. And yeah. I didn't even know it. And so we got there, got to the ICU, they rushed me back there. And I just remember my parents had left because I think they did some paperwork. The doctors had stepped away and there was this kid and his father, I still remember like it was yesterday, that were, I think he got shot. I don't know if it was a BB gun or a real gun, but he got shot. And they were the only people really there. And then I basically stopped breathing. And a guy's like an angel. I still remember his face. He looked back and he saw me not breathing. He started like yelling. Obviously the machines were going off, but he's like, (laughs) y'all, I can't say what he said. He was like, yeah, yeah. he was like, that's the last thing I remember. And I remember then waking up and seeing my mom around me crying and my dad and the doctors and basically, you know, died pretty much. And from there, I stayed in the hospital for a few weeks. And as a young kid, that's so traumatic. I mean, just to be in the hospital is traumatic but to literally almost die how did you feel did you feel something shift in your life at that time did you have an experience of okay i survived this did it put fear in you or did it put like motivation in you or you know i don't know in that moment going back if i felt fear i'm sure i did at that age but i just know that when I look back, I think it really put motivation in me, like on mm-hmm. how precious life is, because I've had so many incidents in my life where, you know, it's second too late or whatever, like I wouldn't be here. I mean, a wreck that luckily I survived. And I just realized like I'm here for a greater reason. Mm-hmm. And so that just really stuck with me growing up and I didn't want to waste any time. And so I just went hard at everything that I did. Well, in your book, you have a story. And you guys, if you have not read his book, The Greatest You Yet, it is amazing. <laughs> I have the book, I've got pages turned and that highlighter pen is out and on Audible too. If you aren't a reader, I have it on Audible and it's great when you go to the gym, you can just listen to it. But you tell such great stories in your book and you told one story that really touched me about one time, I think you were in church and you felt like a gust of wind come over you. And 
I had a similar experience and I had never really shared that with anybody. And then when you talk about it, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in that. Can you tell us yeah. <laughs> that story about what you felt? Because I think that you really are here for a reason. And at a young age, God spoke to you. So Yeah, you... for sure. It was actually a Benny Hinn convention. You know, I know people have their opinions about Benny Hinn now, whatever, but it was back then, 1980s, late 1980s and early 1990s. And he had a crusade. We're still living in New Orleans. And I was like the youngest, obviously. So like I'm my mom's like role buddy. So I'm going with her everywhere if I didn't want to go. And so <laughs> like, but this one I wanted to go. And we went there and I just remember he told everybody to stand up, lift your hands to the Lord. And he was just speaking, you know, and praying. And he, I want to say he blew into the microphone and I felt just the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And it pushed me back. And I asked my mom, I was like, did you feel that? She was like, feel what? And I was like, you didn't feel that? And she was like, well, that was the Holy Spirit, Trent. You know, it's funny because throughout my whole life, I mean, since I was a kid, all the way till I answered my calling, like there's been so many times that I could say how people have spoken to my life mm -hmm. and that I was going to do something like basically what I'm doing now. And I never believed it. I never saw it because I was so focused on what I wanted to do that I yeah. couldn't see what God, you know, wasn't even my radar. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to say that to people out there, like when people speak into your life and make sure it's the right people. But when people speak into your life, when you start to hear a common theme that people say, you know, I wouldn't ignore that because mm -hmm. it makes sense of where I'm at today through all the people who spoke into my life throughout my years of living. Yeah. Because you had your eye on one thing. That's it, it was like, <laughs> I am playing ball and that's what I'm going to do. And then you had an injury that changed everything. Yep. And it was really a moment for you in your life of, I have to make a decision. I got to sink or swim. Can you tell us what happened like yeah. in that period of your life where it was a life-changing moment for you? Yeah. So in the injury, it wasn't even that bad of an injury but mm -hmm. it was enough of an injury to hold me back and as a wide receiver you know even the smallest thing i mean you're running full speed having to stop and plant the smallest thing you can have a sprained toe and it can really limit you and so my knee what i know now was nothing but a lot of inflammation in my knee but i literally i would pop pain pills just to go practice because i knew if i didn't practice i was going to get cut and go home mm -hmm. and i just remember the one time where it was my time to actually shine and play i was with the colts and Coach Dungey told me the whole week, he's like, hey, like you've been balling out. We're going to need you this week. We have some injuries. And that week just happened to be the week where my knee was the worst. Oh. And I was trying to hide it so much. I mean, I was on oh so much gosh. medication. Trent, do you know that I had a show one as a dancer? My biggest fear was like to blow out my knee or something. I had a broken leg and I was about to do a can-can. So I totally understand that feeling of this is it. I have to get on stage and do this. You had to get on the Yeah, field. I got to do, do it. it. I got to like, do you it. You got to push through the pain. You got to do it. And I tried. I was lipping and I mean, where I was at in the toe, maybe I was an all-star receiver, you know, at that point or starter, I could have got away with it, but it mm -hmm. was like, I would have to play special teams. He's like, Hey, I mean, that Thursday, he was like, I don't think we can use you. You know, it's basically yeah. like, you know, hundred percent. I was like, you're right. And so at that moment, even though that was, I had two more years in NFL, like that moment was the moment I knew that it, it probably wasn't going to work out. And uh -huh. I mean, not being a negative person, but it was just something in my soul was like, man, that was your moment. And now I look at it and I'm glad that it didn't work out because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. But uh, yeah, that was the moment that changed everything for me. Yeah. And I think we have experiences that we go through that lead us to exactly where we're supposed to be. And sometimes in those moments, they suck. Yeah, It takes you down to a low place. But I think sometimes in our darkest times is where we really kind of find our purpose. And you talk a lot about purpose, about yeah. people, like how do they find purpose? And you write about it in your book. You talk about it like when you go speak. Yeah. You talk about it in, on your podcast, which your podcast is amazing. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, it's really helped me. And we'll get into that. But <laughs> what would you say to someone who is in a dark time right now and they're struggling and they don't know their purpose and they don't even know what to do and it's hard to even get out of bed and take a first step, what would you suggest for them to do? Well, I would tell them first to, and I know this sounds impossible when you hear this during those moments, because somebody would have told me that during my hardest times, they're like, Trent, shut up. I would say to find appreciation in it because the problem with us is that as humans, we try to define things, right? 
And what I mean by that is that we try to define a moment saying that this is going to lead us to something that's going to you know, last a lifetime. And that's not true. Just imagine, I mean, even with my story, right? I was defining football as a loss, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a loss. It was obviously my greatest gain because it led me here. And so I've learned in my storms and my dark moments to be very careful about how I define those things. And so I say everything is power. So even when you know, I just got over the flu, I mean, as hard as that was to say that, I had to cancel speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. I said it's power because of this moment, it is doing something for me. Maybe it's, you know, I'm staying home with my kids or whatever. I'm always trying to find the positive, the in positive and everything. And yeah. people ask, like, why do you do that? I'm like, why not? Yeah. Like, Trent, that's what we were talking about before we started recording. Why I had, for the first time, I had some haters. Yeah. And I know everybody has haters. I hate even to say haters, but they were coming down hard on me because I was using positivity to get through my pain because I live in pain every day. And so nothing worked medically, nothing, no pills, no operations, no spinal stimulate, nothing. So I had to change my mindset. And that is what works. It's not easy. I mean, you got to get up and be willing to do it. But that positivity is what has given me a life of joy and happiness despite you know, what you had the flu or despite me living in pain, I think there's always a blessing. There's always something to be grateful for. And we can find those positive ways to look at it. How do you go about finding the positive in something that's difficult? So I use leverage um, on my life and I'm a leverage person. I always ask myself this question, like, do I want to live with this pain, right? That's the case for the rest of my life. Do I want to live with this mindset? And I'm always going to make decisions that serve my future. Mm -hmm. And so I have a conversation with my future self, with the Trent that's 90 years old. And like, hey, when you get here, like there's, there's no turning back. And so you want to make sure you don't waste your life or, you know, stay negative. And even if I look back on my past, the times where I was negative and nothing wrong with that, guys, listen, this, by the way, I'm not saying anything is wrong with you or that's you're human. And I still go through my times where I doubt I have fear. I just don't stay there. But I look back on my times where when I got cut and released in my hardest times in my rock bottom. And I was throwing a pity party. I was blaming everybody. I was negative. I didn't want to go out. I was isolating myself. And that literally did nothing for my life. Mm-hmm. All it did was like quicksand. Right? I just stood there and I just kept sinking deeper and deeper in it. And it took a lot longer for me to get out of it. And I mm-hmm. promised myself, I said, I'm never going to allow myself to get this low again. Even during hard times, I'm going to use it and say, okay, there's a purpose in it. Mm-hmm. Because there's no strength without pain. Mm-hmm. For us that work out and we walk or run, whatever you do, you know that's true. You have to go through it in order to be built by it, right? So you have that choice. So for me, that's how I look at it. And I always say, this is building me, not breaking me. This is power in this moment. And I'm going to find something in this moment that did something for me that no perfection could have did or no wing could have did. My son, Tristan, they lost the Super Bowl, his championship, and he was crying. His heart was broken. And I said, I want you to remember this moment. Let this moment be the moment that just because you lost, it built something inside of you that winning the Super Bowl would have never built. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and said, you know what? You're right, Dad. And so wow. every time he forgets sometimes, I remind him. I'm, I'm like, I might get the worst dad award or the best dad. Depends how you look at it. <laughs> but I always remind him because he lost 16, 18. And so I tell him every time he's slacking, I just say 16, 18. Remember wow. that. And it clicks for him. And so as I teach Tristan and as I teach myself and everybody, like, ask yourself, what is this loss going to teach you? Um, this time I'm going to teach you that no win could have ever taught you. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at life like that, it just makes it a lot better to grow. Yeah, I think that I learned my most valuable lessons from my failures. Yeah. And you talk about that too in your book about the value of failing people that sometimes they don't want to fail. And so they don't try because they're afraid of failure. Just about failure that you had said, Three questions. One, if the truth was written on your tombstone, what would it say? Mm. Number two, if your life ended or your story ended today, what, you know, would you be happy with that? What regrets would you have? And what is something about your life that if you died, it wouldn't live on? Yeah, that death can kill. Yeah, that's some. That's like building a legacy. Yeah. I think that last one really sticks with me a lot is like, what am I doing in my life now that death couldn't kill? I mean, obviously, you know, the Kobe Bryant situation is tough. You know, it's touched the world and it's new. The thing that you see in that situation is so many things that death couldn't kill. And Mm -hmm. I just tell people, like, look at your life. And 
that tells you how you're living. Because if you're living something that when you leave here, something lives on, it means you're doing some incredible things while you're here. Mm -hmm. And I just always check in with myself, you know, weekly and ask myself those questions. Like when I get even older or when I get to my last days, like what regrets am I going to have? Mm -hmm. Like, did I do this or did I do that? And I don't want to have questions. I want to have answers. You know, I want to say I did. I went for it. I failed. I sucked at it. Who cares? But you know what? At least I tried and I've experienced it and I know. I don't want to live in the unknown. I want to live in the known of me going to try and do something. Yeah. And you are legendary. And I say that because you touch the heart of whether it's young kids to, you know, people my mom's age and older. And I was telling you before we started recording how I was so excited to come to Dallas and get to see you. And so I'm waiting online with the airline, you know, she's trying to figure out a ticket. And I told her, I said, yeah, you know, I'm waiting. She's looking for tickets. Yeah, I'm going to go see Oprah. And she goes, oh, that's nice. And I said, still waiting. And so I'm kind of small talk. And I'm also going to get to see Trent Shelton. And she screamed, <laughs> screamed <laughs> like I had to drop the phone. She was so excited. So. You are already building this legacy and you're changing so many lives. You've helped me just with, like I told you when I was having a hard time, it was the first time I'd ever experienced haters. And it was something where I felt like I was just trying to share some tips on how to be positive and stuff. And it was not expected. And listening to your podcast about you I'm like, who could hate on you and that you even had yeah, a hater and how you handled it really helped me. And you just share love and you show them love. Do you still have people? that Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, people would say it's not Aristotle's quote, but Aristotle gets the credit. But it's uh, I talked about that podcast. Like, if you don't want to receive criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, if you put some out into the world, I mean, there's not a person that has achieved anything that's even breathing. Not even, they don't even have to achieve anything that doesn't have haters are, I like to say, confused supporters. And I still receive it. Because, I like that, confused supporters. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> if you break it down, it's not really hate because the things that you hate, you don't pay attention to, right? Mm -hmm. if, if I gave you a food that you didn't like, you wouldn't even, if it was a buffet, you would skip right over it. You're like, oh, I'm going to get the mushrooms, but I hate mushrooms. No. And so when somebody's giving you attention, it's not hate, right? It's usually pride, jealousy, ego, which things that they're going through, but they mm -hmm. probably admire what you do because they're paying attention to you. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things that really helped me shift because yeah, I get it every single day because you got to realize like if I put out a message, you know, that somebody uses and saying, okay, well, I'm not going to settle for less in my life. And so they cut some people out their life. Then those people are probably not going to like Trent, you know, just mm -hmm. because they feel like, oh, it's Trent's fault because most people want to point fingers and accept yeah. their responsibility. So I understand where it comes from and understanding is very key in life. Like when you understand like anything in life you said oh okay this is why this has happened this is why they do this this is why they give me hate this is why they come on my page and leave nasty comments i get it it doesn't bother you as much mm -hmm. and so with me i mean i'm either one like i sympathize for them or two it's just funny to me when somebody tells me something like that's hilarious i'm usually laughing and they don't expect that they want you to get mad and you give them the opposite response they disappear by themselves so I always yeah. say just, yeah, just laugh. Yeah. There was one girl that was like, because I was telling you, I was recently on the doctors doing an interview and she said, if I got on there, you were terrible. You were crap, blah, blah, awful. She said yeah. some awful things. And she said, if I got on there, I would really tell them how it was and this and that. And I said, girl, I hope you do go <laughs> on there because we need more people like you to just speak up and give some awareness to CRPS. And she was shocked. Yeah, she, she didn't want I that. was like, yeah, I'm going to be cheering you on. And she's like, oh. Oh, it's like, <laughs> oh. oh, I want, yeah. Most, <laughs> that's where they get their significance from. And so if you're going to respond to someone, you know, one of the best things to do is not respond. But if you are going to respond, then make sure you give them the opposite response that they want. And mm -hmm. that's what usually happens. They're like, oh, like, so you fight love with hate and love wins all the time. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to you about if someone is really struggling with they're in that place where I know that they're sending hate because they're in pain, you know, they're just hurting themselves or they're in a dark place. For me, it was really having to accept my situation and that's what gave me freedom. Do you feel like acceptance was kind of the first step for you into having the life that you have now? Yeah, acceptance is power. Mm -hmm. I have a rehab process that it's actually in the book. We don't really lay it out like that, but it's I wrote it like that. So it's reality, release, repair. It's my three R's for my rehab process. And 
part of reality is, I mean, the first chapter, you'll never win your war by running from your battles. And mm -hmm. so that's about acceptance. It's about saying, okay, this has happened to me. Okay, I'm going through this. I'm dealing with this. And that's not a weakness. That's the greatest strength you can have. Because once you accept it, then you can do something with it. But as mm -hmm. long as you're running from it or sweeping under the rug or trying to hide it. Or trying to drink over it yeah. or eat over it or shop or date or whatever you're doing to try to numb it or ignore it or run there. from it. It's still there it's and still it always there. catches up. Yeah, you'll never fix what you're not willing to face. And so go face it. And I know it might be scary to do that. But just know that there's something better waiting on the other side. So that's advice that I take every single day of my life, too. I mean, there's things that I have to deal with. There's things I have to accept. There's realities, you know, it's just like, ah, at times I want to run from it because running from it feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I know being comfortable doesn't change your life or doesn't bring healing. You know, so you got to go through that process of being uncomfortable to live a more comfortable life. Yeah, I didn't realize that I was running, like literally running. I was in track and I would run from everything, whether I was sad, depressed, or even happy, I would literally run. And it wasn't until I was stuck in the hospital bed and I couldn't run anymore that I realized, oh man, I got to face all this crap yeah. I've been running from. And it's hard and it is uncomfortable, but it does. That saying that I used to hate, that? the truth will set you free. Oh, yeah. it's, <laughs> but it's true. it's true. It is true. But take us through your rehab process yeah, I will. because you have rehab time, which when I first found out about you, I was like, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. And it's like, you just change your life with this. Can you talk us through a little bit of those points? Yeah. So the word rehab, just even me coming up with that word. So it started in 2009. I was still trying to pursue the NFL. And I just remember being in my room and this was the moment that changed my life. I, I don't even know if it was like some magical moment, but I was looking around and I was just like, man, where's my life at? I just start mm -hmm. crying. And I just told myself it's rehab time. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew the word rehab meant that from an injury perspective, uh -huh. it means like you go through a process and the process isn't always fun. But if you do it right, you know, you'll come back stronger, you know, if not physically, but definitely mentally. And so I was like, man, I want to put my life through that. And so I just said, it's rehab time. So rehab means putting a strength back into a weakness. And so whatever that weakness is, for me, it was mind, body, and soul. And so I went on that journey and I broke it down into three things. So first is reality. Mm -hmm. And my definition for reality is you'll never win your war by running from your battles. So with something in your life, and this is an everyday thing, by the way, or a weekly thing. It could be for your business, for your personal life, for your parenting, whatever. It's what reality do you need to face in your life, right? What have you been running from? What haven't you addressed? What haven't you faced? That's a conversation because if you don't face it, you'll never fix it, period. I mean, I don't care how you twist it, how you hide mm -hmm. from it, you know, how much money you get, how many followers you get on social media. Even with this, like a lot of people, you know, 2020 and everybody wants a new destination. And I tell people like, that's great. Like having goals and a new destination and where to go. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. But it does no good to go to a new destination carrying the same baggage. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when you get to that new destination and you unpack those bags, guess what's still there? Mm -hmm. Right. All those problems and insecurities. It's harder, you know, to deal with it. So, you know, drop the baggage, fix what needs to be fixed. The second R is release. The definition I like to put release is there's certain bridges in your life that need to be burned because there's certain things your life cannot afford to go back to. Mm -hmm. So people say don't burn bridges understand that context. And I believe like you shouldn't just burn bridges, but there's certain things in your life that you know you cannot be a part of, mm -hmm. that cannot be a part of your life anymore. Maybe it's habits, maybe it's people, maybe it's places that you go to mm -hmm. and that keep leading you back to a place you don't want to be because you'll never build the right bridges by keeping the wrong bridges. Uh -huh. And then the last R is repair. And repair is simply getting down to the root issues of your life, right? fixing the root so you can build something beautiful because surface level solutions don't change anything, right? Yeah. They don't. They just fix things at the surface. But if you don't fix the root and that problem situation, insecurity, habit will find its way back to the surface. So what's the root issues in your life? Maybe it's something that you had since you were a little kid. Maybe it's a mindset that you were given because you watched your parents a certain way. Or maybe it's a teacher that said you weren't going to be anything. And like myself, that mm -hmm. happened to me where a teacher told me that. And every time failure came up, I started to believe it. And mm -hmm. I never knew, even after football, like even when I was in rehab, I never knew where it came from until I realized like, dang, like this came from second grade. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, had to, we carry those we things carry with us. I think that especially when we're that age and we're that young, we're so impressionable. And, you know, I just was visiting my family here and my sweet little nephew. I got to spend time alone with him. And he was diagnosed with dyslexia. So we're sitting there and he says, Aunt Amberly, 
you know, I have dyslexia. And I said, oh, you do? I said, well, do you know some of the smartest people in the world do too? Yeah. I said, they're very successful. And he smiled. And so we talked about it. And I just think, you know, we need more people like you, Trent. The first talk you gave was for 5,000 students, which yeah. is, by the way, the hardest audience that you could possibly Absolutely. have. And you touched their lives because you're not just somebody that gets up there and talks. Nah. And sometimes I think even when the name motivational speaker has sometimes gotten a bad rap because everybody wants to be a motivational speaker and they call themselves that, but you're not that person that's just getting up there talking. You've actually been through some of these hard yeah. experiences from little up until, you know, going to play football. And so people hear you and they're like, oh, the difference is they can tell you've been through it yeah. and you've gotten through it and they see how resilient you are. And so they go, oh, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. Exactly. But it's a lot of work. I like to say like reality, you know, speaker, I think that's motivation. Like when people give me that title, of course I have to identify it, but I always tell people, I just like to come from a place of reality and I'm never going to talk about things I don't know anything about because I feel like it's a thing, like it's almost like an energy thing or our connection thing, should I say, where you can feel like you could say the greatest stuff ever, but if it's not real for you, you know, then it's not going to have that same connection heart to heart for people. Mm -hmm. I've just realized that because I remember I would watch speakers and, and pastors and everybody and I would sit there and think like those words are great, but I feel like they don't understand me or I feel like they're too put together. Like I could never be that person. Like I'm inspired in a way, but I can never be that person. It's like for me, like I'm almost more inspired by the person at the gym that's out of shape, that's there trying and pushing through it than the person that's in shape. Mm -hmm. Like I'm way more inspired by the person that's out of shape. I'm like, man, they're actually going through the process right now. And I'm sure the person that's in shape went through a process themselves. But I always take that as a speaker. I'm like, man, I don't ever want to be the person where I feel out of touch, where people in the audience say, I understand Trent, I feel Trent, but I can never be like him, mm -hmm. you know? because he's just so far out of touch. And so I just try my best to always come down to anybody's level, but I want to let people know I'm not at the top of the mountain talking to you. I'm like, I'm hiking it with you. Mm. I might've been to the top, but I'm back down here because that's life. You know, we go through our ups and downs, but I'm here hiking it with you, not trying to tell you how to get up here. And so I think- That's what I love too. And you write about that in your book yeah. about I'm here with you. I'm on that mountain with you, beside you. And that's how it comes across when you're speaking too. Even yeah. a lot of times sit down on stage Absolutely, and tell yeah. people come closer and you make them feel. It's a community that you've yeah. built and you can feel that. And I think that's one of the reasons that people are, have just gravitated to you because they can see, they feel that. You make people feel a part of. And so I love that. But it is hard every day to be willing to look at things and accept them and look at it as acceptance instead of, you know, for me, it felt kind of like I was defeated. Yeah. And so I had to switch that mindset around. And this isn't that I'm defeated or I'm giving up and it's not why me, but it's what's next. Right. What can I do next? And that took a lot of forgiveness on my part to myself to other things. And, and then I loved how you talk about forgiveness. Yeah. And what would you suggest for somebody who is having a hard time forgiving and they're feeling stuck because they're just in that resentment and anger? What would you suggest they do to start and bring forgiveness into their life? Yeah, a few things. The first thing is, I would say three things that help me with forgiveness. Because forgiveness is hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Even today, I still struggle with it. Like if somebody does something, I'm like, I'm not forgiving them ever in my life. But I realized three things. One, just being a man of faith that we've all been forgiven. God forgives us. And so mm -hmm. that's always like, if God can forgive us, then who are we not to forgive others? The second thing is, that you're going to need forgiveness. We've all done something to somebody that we've needed forgiveness mm -hmm. for. So again, if you expect it, then you need to give it. And the third thing is for, I think the biggest breakthrough or one of the biggest breakthroughs is, do you want to live with this for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. And most of the times it's somebody who's hurt you, somebody who's done you wrong, and they've controlled so much of your past. By not forgiving them, you're giving them the power to control your future. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that, it has set you free. And I know it's easier said than done, but I mean, I've had situations in my life. I mean, I talked about in the book where my business situation, where a guy that I literally helped out stole money from me. Mm -hmm. And like, I wanted to catch a flight and like go up there 
just like that's not the right thing to do for one and then i realized by me holding on to this grudge i said i'm not trusting anybody like in the business world mm -hmm. and so basically i was making people pay for mistakes they didn't make right i was letting this person's character become everybody's character yeah and that's not fair and i realized how many you know good partnerships or relationships that never got started because of this one person mm -hmm. so i was like you know what let me forgive him because i don't know what he's going through I don't know what pain he's in. You know, maybe if I was raised like he was raised or going through a situation, I would have did the same things too, right? Kind of sympathize yeah. for them. That's helped me really release forgiveness and not hold grudges and not hold things inside because first of all, I don't want to leave that to stress, which stress leads to all different types of things in our life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so give it because you deserve it. I mean, they do too, but you deserve it. You deserve that freedom and peace. It's really for you. I Absolutely. mean, one of my best friends been divorced for years and still hangs on to some resentment and grudges from her ex-husband and it creates a lot of stress and i told her i said he's robbing your joy right now right he's not thinking about it he's over it he's stealing your joy and so when you look at it as you can forgive someone it's really for you so you yeah. can move on so you can have more it's not a weakness it's the, one of the strongest things you can do and forgiveness doesn't mean you have to put yourself back in a situation i think people think that too or forgiveness doesn't mean that you excuse their behavior it makes their behavior okay it doesn't make what they did to you okay no it's just saying okay i'm going to live the rest of my life free from this situation free from this person and you know move on and that's what you deserve i mean nobody deserves to be controlled the rest of their life by somebody or something that has moved on that is no longer a part of their life oh my gosh i am sure the guy that hit me in the suv while i was riding my motorcycle he's not thinking yeah. about me i was just talking about this with my mom last night and we were talking about my book and she said yeah i remember the editor had edited and he added in your book how angry you were at this guy and i was like that's why'd you add that in the book i was like when i was in the hospital i didn't have time to be angry i just wanted to heal so i was worried about and thinking about what can i do next to better my life instead right. of you know getting stuck there in that anger and it's okay to feel that but you just got to move on That's and right. keep moving forward absolutely now you are doing everything from speaking your podcast just came out was that in december yeah december, december? yeah and it's like already top podcast and yeah, got crazy. a million reviews that's and crazy. yeah and so i'm loving that but you also do like a master course or do you have a membership as well where people can get a little bit you know yes i have my inner circle uh, this is called trends inner circle it's a place for application right i mean motivation is great but it's not enough inspiration information all these things and so this is the place where like, I'm giving you the tactics to be like, okay, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. And it also, it's just a community where, you know, I mean, my audience is so big that I can't, obviously when I can, I try my best to connect with everybody, but it's just a smaller community where people can have more access. And I also, not even just to me, but a community of people that will hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. So Accountability is huge. Yeah, it is. I it can't is. do anything without accountability. <laughs> yeah. I need that. So that's awesome. And how do people yeah, find so that? Yeah, so TrentsInnerCircle.com, it'll take you right there. Yeah. And if y'all aren't following him on social media, which you probably are, but just in case you're not, do you still have the link in your bio on Instagram at Trent Shelton? Yeah, it should be on there. I yeah. have a link tree. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw you have another book coming out. I do. <laughs> I am blown <laughs> yeah. away at all you do. What yeah. is the new book called? Straight Up. So okay. the new book is called Straight Up. It's actually, I don't want to say I like it better than The Greatest You. The Greatest You from, I think it's a reader's book. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's, I mean, it's an easy read, but it, like if you're a reader, you'll enjoy it. Straight Up is more for the person that probably doesn't like to read and like myself. <laughs> it's funny, <laughs> like I'm, I'm writing books I don't like to read, but I understand the importance of it, attaining information. You will really feel the me that people see online, right? You'll mm -hmm. feel it in this book. It's short chunks. So I'm straight up about relationships, straight up about healing, straight up about your past. And it's targeted to, you know, kids from 13 all the way to 20. But it is literally, I wrote this for everybody. And so if you're thinking, oh, okay, I'm 30, this book is not for me. It's for you too. Mm -hmm. So it's for your kids and it's for you. And I'm really excited about it because I think it's just an easy, digestible book to read and to apply. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought The Greatest You was yeah. a great book. Thank I mean, you. like I said, if you look through it, I've got highlighted, but I like Audible. I like listening. 
to it on Audible. Will the new book be yeah, straight up be yeah, available on Audible as well? It will. I, I'm about to go through that process. I tell everybody get the audio book because that audio book was so hard. It is so hard. Oh God, I'm doing that you in two it? weeks. <laughs> I'm nervous. Is It'll be it fine. hard? So it just depends. You make it sound easy. Let me tell you, you sound really good. So the first day it's tough because, you know, you're sitting in a booth and, you know, you're there for hours. So we had to schedule it out like, okay, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm done with the book. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm used to recording myself. This would be easy. And so I'm reading it with, you know, passion and I'm not like, I don't have tea. I'm not really drinking water. I'm not taking breaks. I'm trying to bust through it. And I lost my voice probably like halfway through the first day. So I had to reschedule. We had to do like basically once a week. Instead oh, of like three days wow. back to back. So it's tough. I couldn't even listen to it. This is crazy. I'm probably like terrifying you, but it might be a different experience for you. But and it's great because people need to hear your voice, obviously. I don't like hearing my voice, actually. You don't like it? I don't. It took I used me, to be like that. When I got my TEDx talk back, it took me three days before I could watch it. I, just, I understand that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like that, too. It's hard. I I'm kind of like that, too. I always, but I need to. I always feel like for me that I always do better than what I thought because you're going to be a harshest critic. And so it's nothing wrong. You're always going to do way better than you think, especially with people. Like you might say, you might stumble. People aren't going to pick that up. You will because you know, like. So oh you, gosh, I picked myself apart for sure. Yeah. Like, so don't just <laughs> don't. But yeah, so with the book, oh, I couldn't listen to the audio book for the simple fact. I think I had like PTSD, like. I really think I did. I know it's. Oh God, I, I, know it's I, know, I know that seems like super dramatic. Like I like because I was in the car and Maria was my wife. We were in the car. I was like, listening to the book and I was listening. I was like, I can't listen to it. I just can't right now. But I've listened to it after that. But it was just like it was long experience. Oh gosh! But I'm doing that when I just, get back. As long as you <laughs> just prepare. Like I didn't prepare. So if you're okay. preparing it, just take your time. Take your breaks. Don't try to rush through it. It'd be a way easier process. Okay. Well, that is leading me to my next question before we end here. I wanted to ask you, because that's really resilience to have to keep going and to do all that you're doing. And I'm kind of in a place like that where I'm like, you said you didn't prepare for it. I'm thinking, okay, it's on the book. I got to do this, 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 and this. And I'm just going to run in there and start reading. I'm glad you told me to prepare. Because yeah. that really helps. In fact, I have this thing called Pacer that I do that helps me be resilient. And the first part of it stands for perspective. And at first, when I first came up with it, the first letter started for prepare. And that's so important with resilience is preparing for a situation. And in fact, on the way here, my stepdad dropped me off at my rental car place and he said, did you read his book? Are you going in there, you know, blind? I don't even remember what he said, but I was like, oh no, I always prepare. Like I prepare. I want to make sure that (laughs) I know what's going on. It's to the best of your ability. Yeah. But what would you say allows you to be so resilient because you do so much? How do you claim your resilience? Well, one, I think sports taught me a lot Mm -hmm. and being resilient. Now, actually, that might be my podcast episode today. I might just flip it up for everybody straight up. But I think sports taught me a lot to be resilient because you have to be. You know, emotional resilience is something that I try to talk about a lot. I feel like it's one of my strongest traits. And with emotional resilience, it's just three things that I feel like helps you be emotional resilient. And all that is, it's basically when your emotions arise, you don't cave to it, right? I like to say facts over feelings. And so just because you feel something, it might be real, but it doesn't mean it's right, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the first one is, to build emotional resilience. I tell myself when it comes to being emotionally resilient that, well, I'll just go, it's not in order, but nothing lasts forever, mm-hmm. right? That's the second thing I tell myself, but uh, nothing lasts forever. And I realize that. So this pain, whatever, is going to end, right? This confusion is going to end. This bad day is going to end. No storm lasts forever. Another thing I tell myself in being emotionally resilient is that I understand what pain produces. I understand what this is going to produce. So when I'm running, running is the perfect example for emotional resilience. I understand, yeah, at mile, people always ask, like, you must love running. I don't love running at all. I love what it brings. And there's not a mile where I feel like I want to stop. But I just mm-hmm. know me keep going is going to build something greater inside me, right? Getting in shape. And it's the same thing with anything you do, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or physical shape. And the third thing is, which is probably the most important with building emotional resilience, quitting is not an option. And so I always say I don't bring a towel to throw in. So even if I want to reach for a towel, there's no towel there. And I just figure it out and I push through it. Because mm-hmm. when you leave the door open to quitting, 
you'll quit every time. Mm-hmm. It's just who we are as humans. You'll find the easy way out because your brain is programmed to find what's comfortable for us. Yeah. And so I say quitting is not an option. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's having to go record or the book, like I wanted to quit, it wasn't an option. So I'm yeah. going to find a way through. You know, and I think when you have that mindset, it makes you become more emotional resilient. The more you do that time and time and time after again, you build that muscle of being Mm -hmm. emotional resilient. I love that. And I think that sports really helped me as well. My track coach really helped me. My dance teacher really helped me because with the track coach, it was like, I don't care if you're throwing up, throw up off the track and then keep (laughs) running, you know. And the dance teacher was like, I don't care if your toes are bleeding. The show must go on. Are you going to do it? Because you can quit and you won't be a part of this. And so I had to learn to shift my mindset because I thought that resting meant quitting. I felt like there was no time for rest. You had to just keep going. And I had to remember that resting and quitting, resting is just recovering and replenishing. And it's really respecting yourself enough to go, wait, I'm worth it. I can rest so I can be resilient. And that was kind of hard for me. But I love your mindset around resilience. And I think the one I like the best is quitting is not an option. Yeah. And like, I'm glad you tied that into that because just about it's okay to rest. I mean, it's okay to listen. I mean, I'm just going through this sickness. It's okay to listen to your body. And I believe one of the strongest strengths is learning how to be still, you know, especially when you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. You're an entrepreneur, you're a go getter, you're used to pushing and Mm -hmm. going. And as athletes, we judge so much of our life off performance, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, okay, like I have to be able to perform in order to feel value. Learn how to stay still and just rest is a great discipline to have also. So Mm -hmm. you have to find that balance. And actually, that is what led me to my darkest time was having to be still Yeah. when I was used to running. Yep. And I did not have any tools to get me through those hard times until I really hit rock bottom and then slowly climbed my way out. But being still is definitely a superpower. Yeah. You know, just to be still. And I think it's those times that we really find our true purpose too and our calling if we can just be still. But getting back to what you said about the self-worth, When I couldn't run, when I couldn't perform, when I couldn't train clients and bring in income, that was my whole identity. And I felt worthless because what could I provide? What could I do? What is one way that you could tell people to really start to find their self-worth when they're feeling pretty worthless? It's a great question. The thing that I would tell you not to do is... First, understanding what worth is and what worth comes from. And we all make this mistake. We tie our worth to some, everything external. We tie our worth to our job title, our social media following, how many people buy our books, all those things. Especially now with social media. Yeah. Like, are you verified? Oh, yeah. you're not. I'm not going to talk to you. Exactly. And that's not what you should tie your worth to because if you are, you're basically being a puppet and mm-hmm. you're letting whatever puppet master, whatever it is, it could be social media, it could be whatever, control your life. And however that thing is doing, that's how you feel. And so you have to really know yourself. I know we hear that a lot, but knowing yourself is understanding yourself, owning yourself, everything about you, embracing your flaws, realize you were created with worth, realizing that there's no one like you. Like that changed everything for me. When I realized, like, I know you know this, like we all know this, but we don't really embrace embrace it. it. Like there's no one in the world like you, Mm -hmm. period. And so if you're looking for a miracle, it's like, why do we value things in the world that are custom-made, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a purse, that's the custom-made. If it's a car, if it's the one-of-one of this, we're like, wow. But we don't do that with our own self. Mm-hmm. We're all one-of-one. Like, there's nobody like you. And so I always remind myself of that in those moments. And I understand worth. And if you're listening to this you want a deeper version of this, I actually did an episode called Know Your Worth or How to Know Your Worth on my podcast. I think it's episode nine. And I, and I listen to it. It's amazing. Yeah, and I break it down. Which is yeah. like, that. like just the, you know, the acceptance of self and the confidence of self. If you understand what that is, acceptance, everything about you and confidence, you know, realizing that there's only one you in the world. I think that really gets you out of that funk of feeling like you're worth it. You're not worth anything in life. Yeah. And that really changed for me when I was all scarred up and then the doctor in the hospital said, oh, well, you'll never wear shorts again. You'll probably never train clients. And you definitely won't run. And 
I was devastated. And it took a long time for me to finally look at all my scars as something that I had survived instead of I'm damaged goods, I'm broken, who's going to want me, who's going to want to train with me. But when I did accept it is when my life changed and I could start to finally build some confidence about even wearing shorts. Like, you know, I wanted to show my daughters that you can embrace your flaws and all. You know, what if you feel like it's a flaw or you feel like there's only one of you? And I try to tell my kids that. So I love that. But yes, listen to the episode on self-worth. I just listened to that the other day and it really breaks it down. So straight up, Trent Shelton on Apple is where I listen to it, but it's probably what on Stitcher? Yeah, anywhere you can find a podcast. There's a quote and I'm going to butcher it, but it's by Tina Linford. And she says, when you know yourself, you become empowered. Mm-hmm. And when you own yourself, you become invincible. I actually wrote that down to say. And, and I forgot that because I so, loved it so much. Yeah. I was listening to it. I was at the gym. I stopped it to write that down. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. You know, when I came across that quote probably years ago, I was like, wow, like, this is it. Yeah. Like, when you really own yourself, you become invincible. And it's true because it's like nothing nobody could use against you. You're good with everything. And so I think that's the key to life. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And you guys look out for the new book straight up. If you haven't already read it, read The Greatest You because it will change your life. You've changed my life. You really have. And you're changing so many people's lives. And I just appreciate you coming on the show. We all love you, Trent. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you. And y'all look in the show notes. There's links to his website and social media. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the True Grit and Grace podcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And it would be so awesome if you rated and maybe left a review. That would help too. And also, I have some exciting news for you. If you are ready to learn a mindset that will get you through any challenge, ready to really transform any limiting beliefs, and finally find the wellness routines that work with your lifestyle and keep your body healthy and thriving, you're in the right place. You're hearing this for all the right reasons because it's your chance. Your chance to join right now. It's a 12-week course. It's so much fun because we're going to go live in a webinar with plenty of time for Q&A. It's called Your Unstoppable Life Mastermind. And there's going to be a daily mantra and a like-minded community to support you along your way to reach all those goals. So head over to amberlylago.com forward slash mastermind and sign up now. Okay, have a great week and I hope to see you in the mastermind.